How does public media connect with the public? Owned by the public and operating on behalf of the public, it's critical that public service media organisations are valued by their public. Since everybody's paying, everybody should also get something out of us that gives them a personal value. If we get them to listen more on a daily basis, we could also see that the trust figures are going up. But this isn't always easy. Public service media needs to cater for the entire cross-section of society, ensuring all communities are represented. That's not easy for multicultural, diverse societies with a variety of perspectives and needs. Funding pressures have also seen local newsrooms stripped back globally. So how does a nationwide public media connect with local issues, local people? How does it prove to the public it is connected and it is necessary? In this episode, I'll be looking into the public broadcaster Swedish Radio to find out what they're doing to reflect and represent these communities. I just want to bring my desk out there and this gives me the opportunity to be closer to the audience, to increase the outreach. I'm Harry Locke and from the Public Media Alliance, this is Media Uncovered. Chloe Howcroft, you're a research journalist at the Public Media Alliance and this issue of public service media organisations being able to connect with their audience is something that you've been looking into for a long time. Firstly, could you explain why it's so important that public media is connected with their public, with the audience? Well, firstly and most importantly, connecting with the public is essential if public media are to build trust and ensure public accountability. The public are the most important stakeholder. It's in public media's mandate to serve and represent all cross-sections of society, including the marginalised and the harder-to-reach groups. In doing so, they can maintain relevance with the public. I think it's also important to create a sense of community or a shared space. Of course, this was never more important than in the last few years during the COVID-19 pandemic but also with increased geopolitical tensions where societies have been quite divided. Um, so it's important for improving social cohesion. But what have some of the challenges been with public media organisations? What, what sort of challenges are they facing when they're trying to relate to and represent these communities? One key challenge is diversity. As societies worldwide become even more multicultural, it's important to recognise and reflect that in front of and behind the camera or microphone. In recent years, more public media organisations have enhanced their efforts to diversify their workforce. Um, there's the 5050 project launched by the BBC in 2016 to balance gender representation in content and across newsrooms. And that's been adopted by more than 100 public media and like-minded organisations worldwide. Canada's public broadcaster, CBC Radio Canada, has also been doing really important work to increase the representation of Indigenous groups. So it's very important that a diverse composition of staff will bring a whole host of diverse views and perspectives, and that can only benefit output. Another key challenge is media literacy. What we're seeing is a lack of understanding of what it is and, say, how it's funded. Last year, I'd seen that Belgium's Flemish public broadcaster VRT conducted a large-scale survey and found that one in three Flemings had never heard of VRT or knew that VRT is the Flemish public broadcaster. Not to mention the competition from streaming platforms and big tech. So where national public broadcasters once dominated the media landscape, 
now they're fighting for prominence in increasingly crowded media markets and within society they're having to argue their case on on their value for audiences so what sort of are you seeing any sort of innovations and initiatives from public media organizations that are trying to remedy this looming disconnection with their audience what what are they trying to do to sort of reconnect or maintain that connection there are lots of examples. There are public consultations and opportunities for the public to get involved in decision making and shaping the future of their public media organisation. For instance, French public broadcasters in September 2020 launched a virtual public consultation called Nos Media Public, Our Public Media, to find out how to help develop the future of public media in France, um, but also to gauge insights on how French public media did during lockdowns. Um, to gauge audiences' insights and feedback on on their broadcaster and how they can better inform audiences. The Dutch public broadcaster, NPO, launched a competition calling for ideas for a new programme for TV. They'd received more than 2,000 submissions, which is amazing. Um, and it's also something that I've seen from Asian public broadcasters like KBS in South Korea and Thai PBS in Thailand. There are also lots of really lovely other examples of how public media were connecting with audiences in the midst of the pandemic. For instance, they were encouraging viewers or listeners to submit questions about the pandemic, but also content from public media organisations like ABC Australia or RTE in Ireland or PBS in, in the US where they were using user-generated content. Fortunately, as many restrictions have lifted worldwide, more public media organisations have been keen to connect with their audiences on the ground. In Lithuania, LRT has been really keen to visit other parts of Lithuania to remind audiences that LRT is not just the capital cities, but the broadcaster of the whole of Lithuania. And then just a few other more recent examples are brand campaigns. So ABC Australia recently launched a new brand campaign as part of their celebrations uh, to mark their 90th year this year. A nice one that I've seen also is RTVC in Colombia. They've launched a multi-platform campaign to highlight how it connects with Colombia. So that's including voices from all over the country with public testimonials of its social impact. So there are lots of examples of connecting with audiences, but it's also useful for increased public awareness and visibility of public media and showing the public what their public broadcast is doing, but also a chance for the public to ask them questions and share ideas. And I think it's also particularly useful for, for media literacy to um, engage with younger audiences and get them involved to make them feel like they're part of their public media, essentially to put public in public media. Chloe Halcroft, thank you very much. Well, let's now look at one public broadcaster in action trying to address this issue. As a broadcaster, Swedish radio has invested significantly in new technologies, which brings them physically closer to their audiences. My name is Silla Benke, and I'm the Director General CEO of Swedish Radio. Firstly, I guess uh, I'd be really interested to find out what your sense is of how Swedish radio is currently perceived across Sweden by different communities? Well, it depends on what you define as a community. If we're talking about the audience, people, 
those who are actually living in Sweden, we have a record high number when it comes to reach, uh, which is really, really interesting since we have never had so much global and digital competition. Audio is really, really booming in, in Sweden. We have so many new uh, producers of podcasts. It's not only other media outlets. Basically, everybody's producing a podcast. It could be the church. It could be, you know, any any NGO. Uh, or the, the public media parties. Uh, You are, <laughs> exactly. So it's a really competitive landscape when it comes to on-demand. Also, audiobooks are huge in Sweden. Uh, so the competition for the ear is, is enormous. And we have also to remember that we have something that is really unique in Sweden. We have a, a player who is the only global tech giant that is not American, it's not Chinese, it's European. It happens to be very much Swedish. And they are not competing in the field of video or, or of the written word, text. They are really competing when it comes to audio. And they do a lot of things in Sweden using Sweden as their test market. So in that sense, we are in a huge competition. And even so, we have the highest number when it comes to reach that we have ever had. So that is amazing. And what we see is that linear radio in itself is a really strong concept. And it has been perceived in the old world as something old, <laughs> just analog radio. But it turns out that also in the digital competition, it's really, really competitive. So we have now realized that this is a format that we need to cherish and, and develop uh, and definitely not gonna let it die. Uh, because we also have a very strong presence in the local communities. Uh, we are broadcasting 240 hours of local radio content every day, becoming the close companion in the local society. And that, I think, also makes the other part that I wanted to say is that we also have really high trust figures. So we both have a total reach that is strange, in a way, <laughs> with all this competition going on around us. And also at the same time, really high trust figures. So they know that if they want to really understand what's going on in the world and really have the true perspectives on it, they should listen to the radio. And they do. So uh, in that sense, we are doing fairly fine, I would say. I mean, that's really interesting. And I think what you've seen over, I think it was a University of Gothenburg study out in March, which showed that confidence amongst um, the, 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 the Swedish public had risen for Swedish radio, and it was quite clear that there was a big drop-off between uh, Swedish television, Swedish radio, and then private media. Absolutely. I mean, that is, and, and of course, reach is also essential here. I mean, we are a national network. Uh, we have, as I said, a very strong uh, presence in the local communities. We have the largest network of, of foreign correspondents. We also have a strong newsroom, a strong editorial room when it comes to culture content or science. What we are aiming at is that since everybody's paying, everybody should also get something out of us that gives them a personal value. And if they do, if we get them to listen more on a daily basis, we could also see that the trust figures are going up. So, of course, if you don't consume it, trust figures are, are, are of course, uh, not as important for people that don't listen. But even so, a lot of people that don't listen say that they trust the institution. <laughs> so, uh, and that's also a good sign, I would say. I mean, at Swedish Radio, it seems like you've put a lot of emphasis in making sure you are in the community, that you are out there, that um, people, regardless of whether they live in a big city or in a, a town or a village, they, they know what Swedish radio is, what it stands for. C can you talk about what, why you've done that, what, why you think that's so important to do? 
Well, it started like maybe five, six, seven years ago when we actually saw a drop uh, when it comes to reach uh, for our local radio stations. And then we did a remix of them. Uh, we did a very thorough analysis on the content and we have actually reshaped the content a lot. Today, it's more of a flow. It's a lot more of producing outside of the actual radio buildings. So we have also developed our own technology that is suited for audio and for making radio and taking us as uh, reporters and as producers and presenters out of the actual buildings. So even though we already have a presence in 51, I think, local communities with buildings, we are more into developing technology that makes it easy to move. So we just launched a hybrid model of a small truck <laughs> just a couple of months ago, which is actually both a studio, but it also has its editorial spaces inside. And you could sort of take that little truck and go anywhere. And we have put uh, up an internal goal that we have to be in all the 290 municipalities on a regular basis to actually be present and produce radio. And, and that has also, of course, given us a presence and a visibility in the local communities. So that We're going to come back to Silla in a minute. But first I want to pause there because what Silla's talking about here, these radio trucks, roving newsrooms where you can reach all parts of the country, where you can present from, work from for days on end. I actually got to experience these firsthand when I was in Malmö, Sweden for the Radio Days Europe conference in May. My name is Jenny jonsson Ros, and uh, I'm a journalist at the Swedish Radio. I'm also in charge of the project uh, where we have this pop-up newsroom in all over Sweden. Jenny, perhaps you could firstly explain that um, pop-up newsroom. So, so this is a, a roving news desk, I guess. Yes, we do a pop-up newsroom all over Sweden. Uh, we, have, we can do it in rented premises, we can do it in libraries, but we also have these cars for a mobile newsroom. And the main purpose is that we need to bring Swedish radio closer to the audience. We need to... Uh, uh, be part of uh, communities, connect to, com- to communities where uh, currently public service is not as well established as in other parts of Sweden. And so let's firstly, can you just describe to me what we're looking at here? So, we, so we, we've got right here a, a camper van essentially of, of yeah. sorts. Yeah, yeah. It's two vehicles, like a newsroom on wheels, and uh, the vehicles are built with the reporter in focus, where you can uh, you can take the vehicles and you can uh, go around, travel to the like countryside or in a, a city. And we have the network and you can sit. It's like bring your desk to the car because it's there we, we will meet the audience. And, and what's that actually inside the vehicles? Yeah, would you, would, would yeah, you let's let, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so this is the smaller one. I don't, I, it's sort of a, a, a van, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it has to be as simple and easy for the reporters and the co-workers as possible. So here you put on and off. <laughs> so you put on the network, and then you can sit in here. Using your laptop, uh, we also have a webcam. And you can have your meetings and you can do your editing and then you just like open the door and then the people are there. You can talk to the people and uh, it could be we go to it could be geographical uh, blind spots, but also um, we need to get closer to the audience, get to know their reality, their everyday life. And you've said 
you know, Swedish radio has blind spots, as does every yeah. public media organization yeah. in the world. And, and could, could you maybe explain what, what are those blind spots or where are those blind spots? Uh, it could be geographical, but it also, it can be people that doesn't listen to radio, that don't know about us. They don't know what public service or Swedish radio, what we stand for. And we need to talk to them. And we need to ask them, uh, what's important for you? Do you listen to radio? And if you're not, why? And when you listen to your local station, do you feel like, oh yeah, that's, that's my... That's my life. It represents yeah. me. Yeah, it represents me. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe you could talk a bit about the actual practical side of things. Where have you been, or, or you know, what stories have you done since these um, these vehicles and these roving newsrooms came into existence? Uh, we have been to so many places. If you take a look, we have a map outside, and we have met so many people. And I think. I feel, as a reporter, that I go and I talk to people and I do an interview, but the most interesting talk and the most ca- ca- comes afterwards, when I don't have the microphone, and that's why we have to stay, and we have to—I mean, we have to earn their trust. All my co-workers that have been, yeah, uh, been out working with Pop Up Newsroom feel that they have got stories, stories, greater stories, and powerful stories. And uh, just to quickly describe this, so we've got the two sort of front seats facing out and then the two back seats have been rotated 180 degrees. So they're facing a desk where you've got a monitor set up. So this, I mean, this looks like as a reporter and as a journalist, this looks like the equivalent of sitting in a newsroom. It's, it's sort of that comfy and with that much space. And I think that is very important because we can see in the evaluation that the, the, the comfort for the reporters are so important. You need to have a good seat. You don't want to come home with the ache in your shoulders. And that's why I didn't show you before, but ta-da, in the back, a microwave. Because if you're out on the countryside in minus 10 degrees in Sweden, you need some hot food, right? and uh, happy reporters and we do better radio mm. absolutely it, it, it all improves the the output the content that you're actually producing and and that means that the stories are then better and the stories are improved which will mean in the long run that has a bigger impact and i guess gives people a better sense of right these are really worth it. it's really worth doing this sort of thing right moving on to this which is uh, quite a lot bigger than the the yeah, car we've just sat but in. it's not that big it looks uh, it's, it looks small but when you come inside it's like oh here's three workplaces <laughs> so this is a what car is this so th- this is a volkswagen transporter okay so we've got a, a, essentially what looks like a sort of a you could fit a horse in there it's sort of that sort of size of thing isn't it okay and you come in here and uh, you have three workspaces and then you have uh, the same here also uh, the reporters comfort you have good chairs but you also have like a small sofa where you can have guests but you can also do some quick work if you have like this table like you do like how long have you been doing this or how long have you been a journalist working in one of these for this one the bigger one which we are standing in right now is uh, new so we've been working with this for i think six months and the other car, the smaller one, uh, I've been working with for almost three years now, I think, two and a half. I mean, what's your reflections on it then, both on, on both vehicles? What, what are your reflections? Do you think it is, you know, with this goal in mind of wanting to be able to bring yourself closer to your audience, do you think you're achieving that? 
I think so, because me as a reporter, when I'm out there, I can see we have to be there. I, I just want to bring my desk out out there. And uh, this gives me the opportunity to, to be closer to the audience, to increase the outreach, to increase the journalistic presence, but also get to know people in their everyday life. What is your sense of how in touch or how well known Swedish radio is with with the Swedish public? Do you get a sense that there are people who they don't actually know what Swedish radio is? Yeah, there are. And that's why we have to be out there. I'm, I'm born in Sweden and I grew up with my local station in the kitchen every morning. So my, the voices were a company for me and I feel so familiar. But there are a lot of people in Sweden, maybe that recently came to Sweden, uh, that don't know about us. They don't know about public service or what we stand for. So I think it's so important that we be out there. Jenny, thank you so much. It's been really great to speak to you. Yeah, thank you too. The amount of planning, work and attention to detail which has gone into these roving newsrooms is quite staggering. These are newsrooms which are built with the reporter fully in mind, which allows the journalist, the reporter, to be able to make content to the best of their ability, which obviously then goes on to improve overall output. And ultimately these newsrooms fit within Swedish Radio's broader strategy to embrace technology, to be able to connect with audiences to be able to create the best content they can on the ground outside. But is there a risk that by doing so, by embracing technology so wholeheartedly, that you overhaul the output so completely, you actually begin to turn listeners off? They begin to feel disconnected. Silabenko says it's always a balance. We have an internal goal that we should be perceived as uh, as an company that is innovating. Uh, but you don't want to be perceived as a company that is in constant change because then you lose those who don't want any changes. So it's it's a really balancing act. We are a country of 10 million people and we still have 6.8 million listeners in linear radio. <laughs> That's quite a lot. And a lot of them are our local radio listeners because every third person in Sweden are listening to the local radio station every day. It's quite a lot. So you have to do this in a, in a smart way. So, of course, you should feel that you, this is still your local community and, and preferably it should be a presenter or a news anchor that you can rely on and that you have a relationship to. We, we try to make them more visible profiles as well. Uh, and, and then the content should be very, very much into the communities. And by being able to be more outside of the radio buildings, of course, there are other voices that can be heard. And instead of uh, having a sidekick who is another presenter, maybe the sidekick is a news person. Instead of having two people in the studio, you have one person in the studio, one with a portable backpack, and they are all constantly outside. Can you quickly explain the portable backpacks? Because it's something I got to experience and and see in action when I was uh, over in Malmo. Well, the portable backpack was really our first step in, in making us less dependable on, on the houses. Uh, and we developed it we, together with a, a tech company. And, it, and it's basically done by technicians and journalists together so that it's actually going to fit the need of the journalist. It's like a small backpack. It has six SIM cards in it, so it can connect very easily to different mobile operators, which makes it less vulnerable. 
that also gives us a possibility to actually go into rural areas where it could be less good of, of a mobile coverage. And in Sweden, it's a very long country. It's a lot of forest. It's a lot of uh, mountains. So that has also made us uh, much more able to go to places where we couldn't go. And of course, it's easy. You put it on, you go on a bike or you go on, uh, jump into a car or whatever, and you could broadcast radio from basically anywhere without uh, having to be going back to the building. So that was the first thing we did. Then we also developed an app that every journalist have in their mobile phone. Basically, you can you can record and you can broadcast with just a mobile phone if it's an easy broadcast. Uh, and then we developed another app uh, that you send via an SMS to anybody who you want as a guest in your studio. And it's a link. And then the, the receiver press the link and then it gets audio studio quality. That actually helped us a lot during the pandemic because then we were not allowed to bring any guests into the studios, but we could still have a vast variety of people joining into the conversations and contributing to the content because they could get this link to an easy, easy way to an SMS. Since you went on this direction to be able to be less dependent on being in the newsroom and able to work from communities. So whether it's through a truck or whether it's just through the backpack. And then since you've also seen reach figures go up and confidence, trust in Swedish radio go up as well. Do you think they're directly related? Well, I think the content is the key. I mean, there is a lot of technology out there that could be good to have, but maybe it's not necessary to have. And I think we are benefiting from being a radio-only broadcaster. We are not a combined television and radio company, which means that everybody at the Swedish radio have a focus on audio. And with that comes a different way of thinking when it comes to content. And I think, once again, you need to be visible. You need to be close to the people that you actually want to be there for. And since everybody's paying for Swedish radio, we do have a, a huge obligation to try to be as much as possible covering Sweden the way Sweden actually looks today. And I guess the technology and the different ways you, you've built around collecting that content and making that content all then aids that, aids that effort. And, exactly, and... because since we are more visible outside of the building since we are uh, since it is easier for us to move around since we have this internal goal that we should be present in all the municipalities of course out comes another content uh, and if you have more content that is broader with a much richer variety of perspectives more people of course feel connected to you they can relate to the content that they actually hear either they listen to the local radio station or they listen to our highbrow news and current affairs channel or we also have um, we used to have a, a linear radio station focusing on the young audiences uh, and then we decided and it was losing uh, reach every year it was sort of going down 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 and then we decided to redo it. Uh, so what we now do is it's we took away the age bracket and we say that this radio station is for everybody who likes music, who want a lot of new music, who want a lot of music journalism also, not only the music, and they also want news and current affairs. So it's, a, it's another mix that you don't get that when you're listening to the local radio stations and you don't get it when you listen to the hardcore news and current affairs culture station. Uh, and when we took away the age bracket, the the the, the reach actually has gone up uh, steadily since. 
and it's in it's now uh, so we turned it around it's now on a much more stable uh, reach level and the funny thing was that those who were, we were aiming at before those who are between 20 and 34 those were the one who actually came back and choose it much more age is not the thing it's the need and it's your interest and what you actually want out of your daily consumption at that time and and that moment so we are focusing very much on having the right content for the right people at the right time on the right platform silabenko thank you very much thank you harry public media has to be connected to its audience being connected proves relevance and value and it ferments trust in the organization and swedish radio is a great example of a public broadcaster which recognizes this obligation and the benefits it has It's constantly striving to make sure it's reaching all communities, providing them with the services and the content that they're looking for, that they're expecting their public broadcaster to provide them. And it's using innovation to help it get there. These roving newsrooms, the backpacks, the apps, these aren't quirky gimmicks. They're critical pieces of the organization's infrastructure. It gives them a license to get outside, converse with all communities, tell their stories, understand what they want from Swedish radio. But technology isn't a magic wand and it shouldn't just be used in blind faith. Ultimately, technology can only be justified when it helps public media organisations connect with their audience and fulfil their obligations to provide the best services to the public. Thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of Media Uncovered and my thanks to Chloe Howcroft, Silabenko and Jenna Johansson. As ever, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and feel free to share it with family, friends or colleagues. Don't forget to follow the Public Media Alliance on Twitter at Public Media PMA or on Facebook at Public Media Alliance. We've got some really exciting events coming up over the next couple of weeks, including a roundtable session which will be looking at emergency broadcasting, particularly during natural disasters. To find out more and to sign up, you can head to our website, publicmediaalliance.org. And we'll be back for a new episode next month.